the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear canon, dear faith. If the temptation of our Lord in the desert and his transfiguration on Mount Tabor give us good encouragement and hope, today we have a timely reminder and a grave warning from our Lord. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. If we're with our Lord, we seek to please him in all things. If we seek to please ourselves and only do what is pleasing to our Lord out of obligation, then we have a problem. There could sometimes be a tendency in all of us to see our life as a series of obligations that we have to respect. Obviously it is true that being an adopted son of God, that being a children of the light, brings many serious moral obligations with it. Already follow the Ten Commandments and the teachings of the Church, and no one can be holy without being faithful to these obligations. However, if we live our life as merely a series of obligations, we may risk becoming lukewarm, the sort of Catholic that goes to Sunday Mass because he has to, for example. That is not the sort of Catholic we want to be. A good Catholic doesn't do good and avoid evil because he has to, but rather desires, above all, happiness with God in heaven, our final end. And because he desires so much this final end, he judges wisely all his actions so that they lead him closer to God and not further away from him. Of course, he must also be faithful to his Christian obligations, but he observes these as a means his final end and not as an end in and of themselves. This is important to keep in mind because if we find ourselves satisfied with doing only the minimum, just what we have to do, we will likely end up like the man in the second part of today's Gospel, who had been freed of the unclean spirit, but who was afterwards overtaken by seven even more evil spirits. Often when we first read this passage, it can, it can be perplexing because we see that the evil spirits return after finding the house swept and garnished, mundatam et ornatam. But be assured that it is not the fact that the house is swept and garnished that is the cause of its terrible recapture, but that the owner of the house did not prepare for the return of the enemy. Dom Kiranji tells us, What a terrible assault is this that is being prepared for the poor soul, and unless she be on the watch, and unless the peace which God has granted her be one that is well armed for war, alas, with many souls, the very contrary is the case, and our Lord describes the situation in which the devil finds them on his return. They are swept and garnished, but that is all. No precautions, no defense, no arms. One would suppose that they were waiting to give the enemy admission. Then Satan, to make his repossession sure, comes with a sevenfold force. The attack is made. There is no resistance, and straightway the wicked spirits enter in, dwell there. 
so that the last state becometh worse than the first. For before there was but one enemy, but now there are many. We could say, hearing these learned words of the wise Beranjay, that the only true way to maintain control of our soul is through preparing our soul to defend itself against the re-attack of the enemy, by arming ourselves with virtue, good works, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Otherwise, if we think it suffices that we did what we had to do, we are already setting ourselves up for defeat. In the spiritual life, he who doesn't advance backslides. If we now turn to the man in the first half of today's Gospel, Dhammaranjay sees the dumb man as a symbol of the sinner who dares not to confess his sins. If we are sometimes afraid or ashamed to confess our sins, we should ask our Lord to free us of this dumb devil. This dumb devil tries to dissuade the sinner from confession altogether, or wants him to treat it as a mere obligation, something we have to do once a year because the Church said so. This is not how a good Catholic thinks. A good Catholic, although detesting his sins and indeed being ashamed, loves confession as not just an obligation, but as the means to return to God's love, which we desire above all things. We therefore want to go to confession frequently and to make a good confession each time, to strengthen our love of God. If we have lost God's love by mortal sin, we don't want to spend weeks or months before returning to Him. And we would never want to unworthily receive Christ in Holy Communion, and so we want to go to confession and to make a good one. Let us take a moment to recall the necessary elements of a good confession. First, we must confess all of our mortal sins since our last confession, taking care to confess both the specific kind of mortal sin committed and the number of times it was committed and any circumstances that may make the sin more or less grievous. We should also confess, of course, all of our menial sins, because if we're a good Catholic, we detest all of our sins, most of all because they offend God, who is infinitely offended, even by the slightest menial sin, though it may be a less serious matter. Secondly, we should be contrite for our sins, with that sorrow that leads us to detest our sins. Thirdly, we must be firmly resolved to sin no more, to avoid the near occasions of sin, and to satisfy for our sins. This third thing is very important, because if we go to confession out of routine, by which I do not mean those who go frequently with devotion, but those who go to sort of check it off the list, we can easily forget to take to heart this resolution to sin no more. This doesn't mean that if we sin again after confession, it wasn't a good confession. But if we are not firmly resolved to sin no more, then we can't make a good confession. The absolution isn't conditioned by the future, of which we do not know, so it most certainly isn't conditioned by the future sins that we may have the misfortune to commit. However, if someone goes to confession while intending to continue in the very sins he is confessing, he cannot be truly absolved. 
We need to make this firm resolution every time we go to confession. That being said, let us also recall what we're left with, so to speak, after a good confession. The fault of sin is forgiven always. The eternal punishment due to our fault is always removed. Normally, at least a portion of the temporal punishment is removed. We receive actual graces to strengthen us in temptation. However, if we have developed vices or bad habits, there will remain this weakness that needs to be combated. In other words, if we don't take care, we will quickly relapse. To conclude, by confession we are made clean, but does this suffice for going forward? Will we follow up on our living confessions and repentance? Will we arm our souls with prayer? Will we prepare ourselves for the spiritual combat ahead? At the very least, take heed from the Gospel of today and be sure to prepare your soul for the spiritual combat ahead. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.